0: This is SR1. The Rob Carter
1: Show. All right, everybody, here we go. Today is Sunday, December 31st, 2023. My name is Rob Carter. Welcome to SR1 Sundays on News Talk. STL. Happy New Year, everyone. Sunday night in the six o'clock hour. Don't drink and drive. Don't have too much fun tonight. Just enough to break in the year of 2024, which I think everybody that is thinking clearly knows is going to be quite a year in politics, quite a year in your life. I think it's going to be unbelievable. I cannot wait to see how the presidential uh, race ends up. I can't wait to see who the nominations are. I can't wait to see all of the stuff. It's going to be weird, but got to be one of the most interesting times In American history with what's going on. Nobody even trusts the elections yet. Everybody's caught up in them and we're going to talk about all of that had a crazy couple weeks off last week for Christmas. Here I am on New Year's Eve, completely committed to giving you information and entertainment as best I possibly can. Uh, What are you doing tonight for New Year's Eve, Phil? Are you going to have a big New Year's Eve uh, celebration at the uh, Valencia household? no you're not doing anything are you <laughs> no. you're a loser i'll be asleep probably by midnight <laughs> i like your style <laughs> i think i think at, at about 35 and up that's when new year's eve starts to just kind of dwindle down for you and you're asleep by 10 o'clock and that's just kind of the way it goes but i want to get into some of these uh things that have been going on since i last talked to the audience i've got two interviews and we're going to play pieces of them on this show one is with bill Igel interviewed him again i like this bill Igel. For several reasons. Number one, he likes to talk and he likes to answer questions. We did an interview with him at the radio station. He does not ask me to stay between any lines. He has no idea what I'm going to ask him uh, and wants to get out the way he sees things. And uh, I think that is very endearing. If you're looking for somebody to run the state, if you're looking for somebody to uh, be transparent you might want to take a peek at Bill Eigel. I'm not saying that Jay Ashcroft is not a great candidate or Mike Kehoe. These are the front runners for the uh, GOP nomination for governor of Missouri. But I do like the fact that Bill Eigel likes to get his message out there. He's a very affable guy. I would call him kind of a happy warrior type of personality. Uh, and he is out there answering whatever questions you have for him, racing around the state to get his message out. I find that very endearing. I don't agree with everything he says. I don't agree with anything. Or everything anybody says. That's the way most people are. But I do like the fact that he is trying to get out in front of Missouri voters and answer questions. So we've got an interview with him. We're going to play clips of it. If you want to see the entire interview, we'll put it out on Rumble. Just seek out Rumble. Is it SR1, Phil, or is it under my name? Stage ready one. So SR1. Just go to SR1, uh, go to Rumble, type in SR1 and look for the Rob Carter, Bill Eigel interview. That's a video interview, so you get to see yours truly. Shirt off and everything. I do the, all of my interviews topless, Hot. which I think is it's, it's got to bring in heavy ratings, I would assume. Um, so we got that. And then we have another interview with a guy named David Stuckenberg. Now, if you don't know this name. You don't. You're probably going to find out before too terribly long, at least in Missouri. he's He's got some Missouri background. He's running for... President of the United States. He's got a bunch of generals that are endorsing him. Uh, I found him to be a very interesting guy, very accomplished, definitely big resume, a brainiac if there ever was one. And he, too, when he took the interview, took me about, I think, about six weeks to get this interview. But when I got it, he's another one of these guys that doesn't say, hey, you can't ask me this or don't ask me that. I said, how long do you want the interview to go? He said, until I've answered all of your questions. I like people like this. Again, this is the way it is supposed to be. And usually, it's the underdog that wants to take all of the questions. The front runners are often a little too comfortable with being the front runner, and they don't want to answer questions for the citizens and the voters of Missouri and the country. I think that is awful. I'm never going to change my opinion on it. If you think that you can sit back and not answer difficult questions because you have a lead in the polls— That's not serving the people that you're going there to serve. That's not what it's all about. You're supposed to be answering every question, the hard ones. If somebody is attacking you and making a fool of themselves, this is how we find out what leaders are all about. It's how they take on those situations. It's how they behave under pressure. It's how they answer difficult questions when the spotlight is on them. That's what makes leaders. And if your leaders don't want to do that, then you shouldn't want them as your leader. It's very simple. So I've got two interviews today. We're going to start uh, probably maybe in the third segment or fourth segment. So stick around if you want to hear Bill Eagle. Uh Very transparent, answers the question, straightforward. I like that. And then we have David Stuckenberg, presidential candidate. He's in Iowa. He's going to be in Iowa before too terribly long with the caucuses. Uh, he has, a, from talking to him, he thinks he has a strategy to become the next president of the United States. He thinks he needs to be the president. He's 42 years old. He's got five kids, been in the military, started a huge company where you turn air into water called uh, Genesis. Um, He's the real deal. You may not know him yet, but he's the real deal. So I want you to hear what he has to say. We're going to play just maybe one segment with David Stuckenberg. It was a long conversation. So we might trickle this out over two or three uh, Sunday night shows. And that's the other thing I want to get into is I am... Right now, debating with friends, family, and even the radio station and people that I know as to whether I want to do a daily show from, uh, on Monday through Friday. Uh, if I can make it work, I would love to do it. There's no doubt that in my heart I would love to do it because I think it allows me to slow down, take on every issue, and really start to explain it over a period of time. It would be a different show, Phil. It would not be a rapid-fire political show. Um, it has to be a little bit more personal. Um, it has to be a little bit more um, uh, it has to be a little bit slower, and it has to be engaging to the audience to where I can entertain people over the course of two hours every night while slowly starting to get information out so that the average voter who doesn't really have time to pay attention to what's going on in the world, can digest the information. And what I'll do is I'll give them I'll show them how it works. And then over time, as they start to see this, if they pay attention on a daily basis, they'll start to recognize that there's a lot of things going on that they need to be aware of that when they're trying to raise their children, trying to put food on the table, very busy trying to enjoy their life here in America, there are things that they need to know so that we continue this experiment of freedom and liberty. We have to continue it. it is a, uh, it's not easy to have a, a system that allows us all of the constitutional rights that we have and maintain it If the voters don't even know what's going on in their world, they're too distracted by the masked singer Sunday football. These are the things that distract from really being a participant in the future of your country. So we got two interviews that we're going to get to. Um, I filled in. This is the other thing I want to get to. I filled in on uh, morning shows, live morning shows on News Talk STL. Uh, Filled in for Mike Ferguson. I really enjoyed that. These were three-hour shows. Uh, And again, I had to kind of maneuver my way through it, Phil. It was one of those deals where I do my show a certain way. That might be a little much for people at 6 o'clock in the morning when they're having their coffee. And I'm going to fill in for Katie and Colombo this Thursday and Friday. So if you're listening in St. Louis and you're in your car, 101, 9, and 94.1, News Talk STL, between 3... Is that right? No, 2 and 345. This, that's that's this, right. Yeah, this Thursday and Friday, I'll be filling in for uh, Colombo and Katie. So if you want to get a live version um, uh, during the week, again, 2 to 345 this Thursday and Friday on News Talk STL. Now, let's get into the news uh, that I want to talk about. I'm very excited about this upcoming year, uh, regardless of whether it's going to be good or bad or things are going to get crazy. As somebody who likes to follow news and follow information, this world right now is on fire. There are so many things going on that should catch people's attention. And I do believe that the majority of people out there are starting to recognize that things are getting just a little bit weird. A little bit crazy. And they are starting to pay attention to it. It might be even more exciting than The Masked Singer. I I haven't watched this show. I know that it's popular. It seems ridiculous to me that people would watch this, but what do I know? I mean, people get entertained by many different things, but I also believe that what's going on in the political arena is probably more interesting than anything else in the world right now. The political arena is so fascinating. The things that are going on in our world, uh, the characters that are out in front of us, whether they be politicians or the media are worth paying attention to to say the very least. Let me get into these clips that I want to play for you. I want to start beginning, to begin the conversation about what you're going to see in 2024 and how we are being intentionally, in my opinion, manipulated by the media and our politicians to push an agenda. That agenda, in my opinion, is global governing, and it trickles down from the top. It goes into the country, it goes into the states, it goes into local municipalities. It just trickles its way down. And that doesn't mean that there's a vast conspiracy. I'm not saying that. I don't like when people accuse me of that. I'm simply saying that there is a system being put into place. And the scary part is the technology. The technology that we have today can trap us without even really recognizing that it's happening. If you look at these uh, digital currency... A social credit system which stuckenberg and i talked about uh, mr stuckenberg who's running for president we talked about digital currencies and how that that can be the last straw that can be the very last straw if you have digital currencies and there's a single entity it may not start that way it may start with convenience but the currency situation over time it could be 10 years could be five years could be 20 years could be 50 who knows But once you get into a digital currency system, and you can only pay for goods with your phone or some form of um, um, citizen ID, but there's nothing tangible in your hands, you're opening yourself up to some really big trouble. The other thing that I think people have to pay attention to is how the system is working to divide us. We are being taxed at an insane rate, and the media... And our politicians, if you pay attention to how they work this thing, they want us fighting each other. I remember when I was um, uh, in my first marriage, her, my, 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 uh, my, my wife, we, uh, we both had um, previous relationships. So she was dealing with her ex-husband and she would always get off the phone and she'd be just irate. And I say, well, if you know that somebody is trying to upset you, wouldn't it be wise not to let them upset you? If you know that's their agenda and you know that's their goal, wouldn't it be wise not to fall into the trap? And I feel the same way here when we're talking about our politicians. If you watch how they're working, it's it's almost like we accept the fact that a GOP candidate, for example, can pound away at these other candidates and we're supposed to hate the other candidate. And then the other candidate does it to your candidate. And all of a sudden we're fighting amongst ourselves. When really, when you look up, the system has us by the, you know what? The system is taxing us to death. We are having less and less opportunity because of inflation. We should be pointing at our government saying, listen, we're paying attention to you guys. We have a spotlight on you. We want our elections fixed. We want the border secured. We want inflation to be taken care of. And we want you to do the will of the people. But instead, if you just notice, if you just pay attention, we are all fighting each other. Let me start with taxes. Phil, if you don't mind, get clip number seven, two ready. This lady was out on, I found it on, I believe it was TikTok or YouTube, uh, talking about taxes. I want this to sink in. Listen, very carefully. This is a young girl We've made this commentary many times about just the insane amount of taxes that we pay, and you look up and you got no savings, you got no money in your pocket, and you're thinking, hell, I've worked for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Why can't I save any money? And why is my government getting all the money? And what are they doing with it that is helping us? Clip number seven Two. pay very close attention and just think through this. Is this the way you see the world? Go.
0: What is something that doesn't make sense to you, but we encounter it every day? I'll go first. The fact that each of us are not only heavily taxed on our hard earned paycheck, but we are also taxed on everything that we purchase with that paycheck. And we pay taxes on things that we already own, that we already paid taxes on when we purchased it with our already taxed paycheck. So a large portion of the money that we earn for our labor, skill, and time we don't even see because it goes towards taxes. And then when we use the remaining money to buy gas or living necessities, we pay even more to taxes with money that was already taxed to begin with. And then the store in which we bought those living necessities from is also taxed on that same money. And finally, the cycle begins again by taxing the employee's paycheck that sold us the goods. And yet, somehow, the entity that receives all of this tax money from every citizen and every business is still over $33 trillion in debt.
1: And that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense, not that they're doing it to you, but that we continue to allow it. We continue to make excuses as to why these governmental entities need all of our money. When all you have to do is look around and say, well, they're not getting the job done with it. We are all fighting Our streets aren't that wonderful Our schools are teaching racism Our borders are wide open And our tax money is going to support People that weren't even That aren't even in this country legally So I talk about that with Bill Eigel, Running for governor of Missouri And I talk about that with David Stuckenberg Who's running for president We're going to get to both of those interviews Probably in the second hour So you got to stick around for that there's a lot of good information there that you want to pay attention to. Uh, we are going to get back into some Donald Trump information that I want to share with you. After this, we'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show.
0: S R One Sundays. The Rob Carter Show.
1: All right, everybody, we're going disco on all the intro music on this New Year's Eve. Heading into 2024, be safe tonight, all you kids that think you're indestructible. You're not. Be safe, have a great time, enjoy your life, and do it responsibly if you don't mind. I had five kids, I had to say this. Over and over again throughout my life as a parent. So all you kids out there, be safe tonight. I want to immediately jump into what I saw on uh, Truth Social. So I followed Donald Trump and his statements. Everybody knows that I was a big Donald Trump supporter. I'm not saying that I'm not now, but I have a lot of questions for Donald Trump. And again, I keep telling people if he's not out there answering these questions, then you have to look at him with a little bit different lens. This is from Thomas Massey about Donald Trump. So he puts out on Twitter, he basically takes Donald Trump's statement on True Social and puts it out on Twitter. Now, this is what it says, and I'm going to ask you, Phil, if you know what this means afterwards, because I'm not sure what it means. But Thomas Massey, he's a congressman from Kentucky. He has been at odds with Donald Trump from the very beginning. He did not like Warp Speed. He didn't like the funding of it. And he challenged Donald Trump on it. And Donald Trump went for his throat. So Thomas Massey, MIT, this is no dummy, uh, in Congress from Kentucky. This is what he puts out on uh, Twitter slash X. It says, I voted against that. This is your guy. How does the kitty litter taste? Now, remember that. I'm going to read it to you one more time. He's talking about a statement from Donald Trump, and then I'll read Donald Trump's statement. It says, I voted against that. This is your guy. How does the kitty litter taste? Now, this is the statement from Donald Trump that he put out on Truth Social. It says the FBI headquarters should not be moved to a faraway location, but should stay right where it is in a new and spectacular building in the best location in our now crime ridden and filthy, dirty graffiti scarred capital. They should be involved in bringing back D.C., not running away from it, especially the violent crime. An important part of my platform for president is to bring back, restore, and rebuild Washington, D.C. into the crown jewel of our nation. We will make it a crime-free and great again. The FBI should not be fleeing for safer, yet much less convenient environments. It should make where they are now the safest place on earth. Do not move the FBI now. When you hear that, you got to remember the FBI tried to frame Donald Trump with Russian collusion. You have to remember that the FBI is the one that said that the laptop from Hunter Biden was Russian disinformation. You have to remember that the FBI, it now is confirmed, was involved in framing people in Michigan when they went into the Capitol. They orchestrated it, and that is why the two of the uh, defendants in that particular situation in Michigan were acquitted. Because they were set up. They were entrapped by the FBI. Then you have what happened on January 6th. You've got Representative Clay Higgins from Louisiana, a former law enforcement guy, telling you that he knows that there were contractors attached to some intelligence operation or somebody in D.C. He assumes it's the FBI. I assume it's the FBI that entrapped people in the Capitol building. And now they sit in jail many who never even had a trial. You certainly didn't see the trial, we didn't get to see it. Where's all the videotape? Where is all of this stuff that the FBI is supposed to be putting before us? I just simply do not understand how Donald Trump supporters don't find this offensive. How do you say that an entity that kept you and your voters from taking office in 2020, when everybody thought the country was gonna go to hell in a handbasket if Joe Biden was elected, How does the entity that traps you in a system get lauded by Donald Trump? It's going to be the greatest FBI. We must keep it in Washington, D.C. These people are doing a great job. There is no institution in D.C. doing a great job. That doesn't mean I want to get rid of the institutions, but I certainly want to clean them up. And I want the people that are entrapping citizens. I want the people that spied On our citizens. I want the people, the 50 intelligence officers that said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, I want them held accountable. I don't think that's crazy going into 2024. Maybe a new look at the way we govern ourselves should be considered. The FBI, by the way, under the Trump administration, was suppressing free speech on all of the social media platforms, especially Twitter. This didn't happen in the Biden administration as I can attest to because I was right there on the front lines. They were suppressing normal everyday citizens of their free speech if you discussed the election the election integrity situation or if you were talking about COVID and the policy surrounding COVID. The information that was being suppressed was the truth. And the information that was being shoved down your throat by this administration and the previous administration and their institutions like the CDC and the FDA, they were lying to you. Lying to you. And you have to remember what it did to society. You have to remember that this small business, the, the uh, 3.3 million small businesses were closed as Walmart and Target were open. You can't forget that. Because somebody made a decision to say, hey, my barber must close, my local hardware store must close, all of my local businesses, my neighbors, all of their businesses must be shut down, but we just can't live without Walmart. (laughs) There's no way we can live without Walmart. we got to have it. Walmart goods, almost 100% of them come from China. So these are the things that happen that people have to get upset about. At some point, you look, I'm a happy guy. I want to be happy all the time. I live my life in a happy state. I never get down. It's just my personality. But I got to tell you, if you, don't get, if you don't get frustrated and emotionally tied to being screwed, then you're going to get screwed forever. At some point, you must stand up and say, look, these people that are representing us, these people that are posing themselves as anti-establishment, they don't seem like it. do not seem like it to me. If you're coming to clean house, you're not talking about making the FBI a shiny, beautiful building in D.C. You're saying, I want the FBI and the people running the FBI held accountable for lying to the American people. David Stuckenberg, in, uh, when, he was, uh, when I interviewed him, he said, a big problem that we have is that the American people are afraid of their own government. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are afraid of their own government. Too many people are afraid of their own government. They don't even like to talk about things anymore because they're so afraid of not just the repercussions of the United States government, but their friends who just don't want any trouble. They don't want to debate anything anymore. They don't want to have conversations about anything anymore. They're too paralyzed with their jobs being taken away. Paralyzed in fear. They're worried about losing their income. They're worried about fraying relationships. And they're worried about the FBI knocking on their door, just like they did with the parents that were going out against the school boards and saying, hey, I don't want my kids to have to wear a mask. And I don't think my kids should have to take the COVID shot to go to school. And I don't think our school should be closed down over COVID. So those parents that went before the school boards that were having a heart attack about the nonsense that was going on around COVID were being investigated by the FBI that Donald Trump says we should have a nice, shiny building in D.C. I don't get it. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people that I respect, love Donald Trump. But can somebody ask him the question exactly like I ask him? Anybody out there in the universe that hears this? When you get in front of Donald Trump, say, how can you say anything good about the FBI when you know that they sabotaged your run for president in 2020? How do you do it? How do you do it with a straight face? Makes no sense to me. Now let me calm down. I want to move on from that, and I want to show you what I mean about what's going on in this country that nobody's paying attention to. And later on, if you pay attention to the entire show, which you can always find on Rumble, you can go to rumble.com, R-U-M-B-L-E.com. Get the app. You can always look SR1, or you can look up Rob Carter, two Bs. Hear the entire show. If you're in your car and you're like, I'm into it, but I got to get out because I'm going to a New Year's Eve party. You can always find it on Rumble and listen to the entire show. This is uh, uh, clip number seven, three. If you get this ready for me, Phil, this guy's name is Mark Lamb. He is the sheriff in Penal County, Arizona. Now, the reason I bring this up and I asked uh, Bill Igel about it, I have a friend of mine travels the entire U S owns a shoe company. He goes back and forth to Brazil Because that's where they make the shoes. Can't make shoes in America anymore. It's almost impossible. It's too expensive. But he was traveling. He gets onto an American Airlines flight. And when he gets off, he calls me and he says, dude, you're not going to believe it. He goes, I was just on a flight where there was probably 10, 15 businessmen on the flight. And then every person on this jet was a young kid between the ages, I think he said 12 and 18, all dressed in brand new clothes, all the same. None of them spoke English. And they were being flown all about the country. My aunt, who is a kind-hearted woman, she has uh, begun a relationship with this Afghani family who's here because of what happened in Afghanistan when we left all our military equipment behind. These Afghans were on the plane that got out of there. They end up in the United States. She tells me that this Afghan family got a check from the United States government, the federal government, for 10 thousand dollars they didn't even know they were going to get it and ask her what should we do with this money ten thousand dollar check did you get a ten thousand dollar check out of the blue from your government all of you people that pay taxes all of you people that have kids all of you kids that are people that have uncles and fathers that fought wars for this country fought wars for freedom. Did you know that your tax money, and did you know that this inflation bill that you're paying, your personal property taxes and your property taxes and every tax you can think of, did you know that that money was going to go to people that never were born in this country, have no assimilation to this country? Did you know that was going to go down? Because I got another great clip from Bill Igel later on about how much money we, right here in Missouri, are spending on illegal immigration. Oh, yeah. This clip is 7-3. I want you to pay very close attention Again, this guy's name is Sheriff Mark Lamb, L-A-M-B, Sheriff Mark Lamb from Penal County, Arizona. Penal is spelled P-I-N-A-L. Listen to what he has to say and then think about your financial situation out there and think, if is this okay for you to, uh, uh, is, are you supposed to accept this in America? Clip number seven, three, go. Go.
2: You know, we see all these people coming across, mostly military-aged men coming from China, from Africa, from all over the world. Uh, Most of them not even being vetted when they come in here. But here's what's really gonna bother you. When these folks come across and they're processed, they're being given a cell phone, a plane ticket to wherever they wanna go in this country, so probably to a community near you, and a $5,000 Visa card. So while this Christmas season, you're struggling to keep your lights on, uh, while you're struggling to pay your rent, put Christmas presents under the tree for your kids, we have our government giving people that came into this country illegally $5,000 gift cards. That's the truth, folks. God bless.
1: I think it's crazy. It frustrates me greatly. When I see people in my life struggling to eat, working two or three jobs just to make it by watching them panic as they try to buy their kids Christmas gifts. These are people in my life. It makes me crazy that our government is allowing our borders to be overrun. We don't even know what these people are coming here for anymore. We don't have a border. I think we have a processing center. That's about it. You've got millions and millions of people coming in here illegally, and nothing happens. I guess we're just going to wait around to 2024 when they give us one of these fraud elections again. Because no matter what you believe about the elections, I can tell you right now, and I just want you to play it out in your own head. If Joe Biden wins the election, or any Democrat for that matter, if they throw Michelle Obama in or Gavin Newsom after the fact, but let's just say it's Joe Biden. If Joe Biden wins the election in 2024, how many Republicans are going to believe that wasn't fraud? Let's say it's Donald Trump. If Donald Trump wins the election in 2024, what do you think the media establishment is going to do? If Donald Trump wins, they'll use the media apparatus, which is pure propaganda, which brainwashes and conditions citizens. They're going to make it so difficult for Donald Trump supporters. They're going to make everything difficult. So that divides us. Even if Donald Trump wins, there's going to be division. Because you know Donald Trump's not going to sing kumbaya with these people. He's certainly not going to hold anybody accountable. That's not going to happen. If you think that's going to happen, I I hope he wins so we can prove to you that's not going to happen. There will be no accountability. You can tell that by the way he is talking about the FBI. And if Joe Biden wins, then everything that you despise as a libertarian or a conservative will be endorsed. We voted for it. You love this authoritarian rule. You love losing all your constitutional rights. You know, and I know, if you're thinking clearly, that is the way it will play out. No matter who wins the election. Stick around, we got more on this very topic when we get back.
0: The Rob Carter Show.
1: Sundays, the Rob Carter Show.
0: Aww,
1: freak out. Oh, yeah. Oh, freak
0: out.
1: Phil is a fantastic disco dancer. I had no idea. You like them moves, bro? Pretty good. Very strong. Freak Out is a perfect uh, song. It's disco, which I. Disco on New Year's Eve. It's, you know, it's kind of one of those things. But I used to love this song when I was a kid. This is the stuff my mom used to listen to. Good story about this song. Good
2: story about this song if you don't know. Let's hear it. Well, they, they wrote it because they were um, refused entrance into Studio 54.
1: Really? <clears throat>
2: and they had an apartment down the street where they could actually see it from their window. And they went up to their suite and just went back to rehearsing because they couldn't get in. It wasn't because they couldn't get in, but they were it's just you know, how Studio Fifty Four was. Yeah, it was, was. The were long just, lines. It was hard I mean? to get in. So they yeah. couldn't get in. They told them who they were and they'd already been on the radio. They'd had a song on the radio already. So they were famous to some degree, but they didn't get in, so they went home and they wrote the song. So no they, kidding. That's, that's the story. They mentioned it in the song if you looked the lyrics. That's a great story.
1: Mm. Yeah, Studio 54, that was a big deal back in the seventies and eighties if uh, the young kids don't know. That's where all the <laughs> that's where all the uh uh, there was a lot of uh, drug use going down, <laughs> and there was a lot of famous people in that situation. That was uh, that was kind of the flamboyant gay movement. There was a lot of yeah. there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in Studio 54. But I digress. Let me get back <laughs> into the real topic of the day. You got me way off track. That's what I do, bro. That's what you do. Um, I want to get into this. Uh, it's a long clip by Tucker Carlson. And again, this is not an endorsement of Tucker Carlson. I don't endorse really anybody or anything because I just don't know Tucker Carlson. He could be the greatest guy in the world. He might be a fraud. I don't know. I always endorse what people say because a lot of bad people can say a lot of nice things. I made this commentary over and over again when I was filling in on that morning show. Think ladies out there on New Year's Eve night when you might be drinking and a little vulnerable. How many times have you had a guy come up to you? And when you first meet him, he's like, it's, it's this presentation that he wants to put on. He'll tell you anything you want to hear because he's got an agenda. That's the way a lot of the politicians are. That's the, the way a lot of media personalities are. They don't want to upset you. They want to play to their audience. Like me, for example. I know a lot of Donald Trump fans listen to my show. But am I going to not be honest? I'm going to tailor my Thought process To make Donald Trump look like the hero Or should I be a journalist Which is what I'm trying to be And say look these are questions That beg for answers This is what's going on In the country and this is why I say I never endorse Any media personality or any politician I just endorse the things that they are saying This Is Tucker Carlson he's out there now with his own network It's called TCN I think he's going to run it on X. He's doing a lot of interviews that I think are a little frivolous. Don't care. He's trying to entertain people. I get it. But every once in a while, he steps on something that I really like. This is a conversation about Julian Assange. My thought process on Julian Assange is what he did is he went in and he took information. Uh, I don't know if it's legal or not legal. I don't care. He's a journalist. He gave information to the American public that they needed to know about what their government was doing around the world. He is the one that released the uh, emails back and forth between John Podesta and Hillary Clinton, where Hillary Clinton is funding and organizing to give money to the Saudi Arabian government at the same time her emails make it very clear that the Saudi Arabian government is funding ISIS at the same time we have a war going on against ISIS. So let me slow it down just so you understand. This is all because WikiLeaks made us aware Hillary Clinton in the State Department under Barack Obama was funding military equipment to be sent over to Saudi Arabia. They were buying it from us, so they're making a fortune over here as we're giving military equipment to Saudi Arabia. At the same time, she knows, Hillary Clinton knows, running the State Department, that they are giving arms to ISIS who's killing American citizens. This is what Donald Trump said he was going to do. He was going to expose it all. Hillary Clinton was going down. And then two weeks after he got elected, he's toasting her, saying how much respect he has for these people. I guess it doesn't matter. I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that anything matters anymore, apparently. But this um, this is a segment about Julian Assange from Tucker Carlson. I think it's great. I think he's right on the button with everything he explains. If you were somebody who got the WikiLeaks drops and read them, if you actually took the time to read them, there's volumes of them. They're out there to be found. It paints a picture of an out-of-control U.S. government. It's like the torture in Abu Ghraib, if you remember all the way back to the Iraq War. You've got guys like Mark Thiessen, if you know who this guy is, who goes on Fox News all the time. And he used to go on Megyn Kelly. And he's, people liked Mark Thiessen. He's an intel guy who wrote articles about why it was so good and why it was beneficial to the United States government and to the cause that we were torturing Iraqi soldiers. Now, never mind the fact that we went into Iraq on a false premise. I guess that doesn't matter either. You can drop bombs on any country you want on a false premise, and it's just okay so long as you're the United States. But what he showed was that most of the things that we were doing are against our own laws. And when we got caught, who was held accountable? Do you know? I don't know. I don't think anybody was held accountable, and therein lies the problem. The journalists that are finding our establishment to be criminals become the criminals, and the criminals within our government get bigger and higher positions. This is Tucker Carlson. I'm going to let him explain it to you. I think that the fact that the United States government hasn't pardoned Julian Assange is all you need to know. Tucker Carlson, clip number, and we're going to cut this up because this is
3: a long clip, but I want to talk about it as we go. Uh, Tucker Carlson, clip number seven, four, go. Julian Assange is one of the greatest journalists of our age. He spent his entire adult life bringing previously concealed facts to the public about what our leaders are doing. That is the very definition of journalism. Yet Julian Assange is not a hero in America's newsrooms. He's an enemy. Assange made the mistake of offending the media's real constituency, which is not the public, but the powerful. For doing this, journalists accuse Assange of being what they are, a political operative posing as a reporter. In 2010, Assange and his organization, WikiLeaks, published an enormous cache of secret documents that revealed what the U.S. government had been doing in Iraq. Included was a 38-minute gun sight video that depicted Apache helicopters mowing down a group of civilians in Baghdad. Before
1: this plays, because you're going to hear a lot of gunfire, what happened was, if you remember the story at the time, which nobody does because there's a 17 narratives every day and you get lost in the shuffle. What happened was the American military, and you can watch this, there's a video of it. And they denied that it ever happened until the video came out. What it shows is our military mowing down people walking in a little village. I mean, just mowing them down, you know, from the sky, you're going to hear that. And I think they wipe out eight people. Now, these people are just walking along with their families. Just imagine you're walking around out in Brentwood or you're walking around out in Creve Corps. You're walking in downtown St. Louis with your family. And then from the sky, you don't even see where it's coming from. Bullets start raining down on you. I ask you, would that bother you? Does it bother you that our country is involved in these kind of things? And don't answer the question as to why they're doing it. If there's a good reason, if these guys were terrorists and they got some explanation for it, then they should explain that to us. Instead, they said it never happened. Until the video came out Now pay attention because you're going to hear that uh, The sound of gunfire from the sky But I want you to take it in and visualize this Because these are the things that are going on That a free society Should have the right to question Their authorities about But apparently we don't Julian Assange doesn't He sits in solitary confinement
3: Go Including two Reuters employees
4: There's more that keep walking by And one of
1: them has a weapon See all those people standing down there Oh yeah,
3: that's a weapon. Yeah. Hotel 26 crazy horse twenty eight. We got one. an RPG? All right, we got a guy with an RPG. I'm gonna fire. Oh, we got a guy oh, shoot. he's
0: behind the building. Come on, fire. Hey, Roger. Keep shooting. Keep, shooting.
4: Keep shooting. All right, we just engaged all eight individuals.
3: The video was a problem for the government because officials had lied about what happened that day. At one point, the Pentagon claimed the video didn't even exist. Assange proved that it did. A few years later, Assange upended a presidential race by publishing a trove of internal emails from the Democratic Party. Democrats claimed the emails had been hacked by the Russian government, but they hadn't been. That was a lie. The emails had been leaked from within the DNC itself almost certainly by a disgruntled employee. Seth Rich. Those emails prove that Hillary Clinton's campaign had rigged the 2016 Democratic primary against Bernie Sanders.
1: Rigged a primary? Uh, That's not even possible. And anybody that says it is, is a conspiracy theorist. Despite the fact that the Democrats continually claim that Donald Trump stole the election in 2016 with with his buddies in Russia. This is what they said for months, thousands of clips where they're on every single MSNBC and CNN show saying that Donald Trump, along with Russian officials, stole the 2016 election. But then when Donald Trump says that they did it, he's kicked off the ballot in Colorado, now in Maine, and they're now trying to make a movement to kick him off the ballot. And again, you say, well, if they're trying to kick him off the ballot, he's the bad guy. And maybe he, he... He's the good guy fighting the establishment, I guess I should say. The question I would ask you is, Donald Trump getting stronger in the view of the public or weaker as they attack him? Think of professional wrestling every time you see these narratives in the news or you're going to be confused all the time. If Donald Trump is really fighting the establishment, if that is a true statement, he's coming after them, he's exposing them, he's going to hold them accountable, then he should be out there debating and answering questions. 'Cause that's what we want. That's what most conservative voters, that's what most libertarian voters, that's what most of us want. That's what we're voting that's what we're voting for. That's 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 the premise. So if that's gonna happen, he should be out in front of guys like me. He's welcome anytime, anytime you're in St. Louis campaigning. I'd
3: certainly love to talk to Donald Trump, and I'll do it respectfully. Continue on with this clip. It was the scoop of the decade, but it was only one of many that Julian Assange broke. For the crime of upstaging them and embarrassing their patrons, the media hated Julian Assange even more. And especially with Assange, what bothers me the most is that he hides under this sort of broad definition of a journalist. And we have to come out and say that this is not, you know, stealing and, and
2: using disinformation for
3: a foreign government,
2: yeah. is not journalism. This is a no-brainer. This guy, Julian Assange, directed and led an organization That led to the largest breach of classified information in U.S. history.
1: So what he did was he exposed our establishment and many establishments around the world. He exposed it. And then you have reporters, which are CIA operatives, on MSNBC going out and besmirching his reputation. Do you know what kind of balls it takes to release that information? Don't you understand the the position Julian Assange was in when he made the decision to take on the United States government for their atrocities around the world? For their lies to the American public? Do you understand the courage that that took? And here is our government in the greatest nation on earth, holding this guy in solitary confinement and not pardoning him, which I thought that Donald Trump should have done. And I was very outspoken about it throughout the entire process of the 2020 elections. I said, if Donald Trump doesn't pardon Julian Assange, then somebody should ask him why not. And to this date, with this very, very, um, uh, what's the word for it? Very, um, they are against Donald Trump. Can't find the word. But this, is, this establishment press that hates Donald Trump, they hate him so bad that they haven't asked him why he didn't pardon Julian Assange if he was reading WikiLeaks drops to get elected. Aren't you curious? Aren't you curious why he didn't pardon Julian Assange? And aren't you even more curious why they haven't asked him? Make it make sense for me, somebody. Make
3: it make sense, continue on.
2: This is not some do-gooder whistleblower. Assange is a criminal.
3: He's damaged national security. Assange isn't a journalist. He's a criminal, squeaked the faithful servants of power. Embarrassed governments around the world agreed. The government of Sweden, acting in concert with British authorities, charged Assange with a fake sex crime. He's a rapist, they said. Global media amplified the lie. Ultimately, the charges were dropped for lack of evidence. But by that point, Julian Assange was a prisoner. He'd been driven into internal exile in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where he sought political asylum. He spent more than seven years there, unable to leave. Then in 2017, Assange broke his last big story. WikiLeaks revealed the existence of an illegal CIA spying program. Assange withheld most of the details of that program, so as not to compromise American national security.
1: There he is outing the, uh, the CIA, the intelligence community. I think they're kind of one in the same. We always see them in two separate uh, buckets, but I don't think that that's the case. That's my personal opinion. But isn't that just information that you would love to know a little bit more about? He goes on in that clip, and I'll uh, uh, we're not going to get to it all because I'm going to get into these interviews that I did. But he talks about Mike Pompeo calling for the basically the killing of Julian Assange. And M- Mike Pompeo gets... Standing ovations everywhere he goes. He was the head of the CIA and the State Department under Donald Trump. And as Tucker Carlson says, he committed a crime by even insinuating that Julian Assange should be killed. Stick around, hour number two David Stuckenberg running for president and Bill Igel for Missouri governor. Interviews on the way. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show.
0: Sundays. The Rob Carter Show.
1: I wonder how many people of my age remember this song back from the, I think this was in the 70s if I'm not mistaken. I used to love this song. When I did the show in the mornings, this woman, Shan, was uh, producing the show. 25 years old, and she said her uh, her father was a big Motown fan, and she knew a lot of these songs. How many 25 year olds remember Motown that well? I thought that was kind of cool. That this was is cool. you don't have to be a star, baby. Listen to this. Turn up right here, real fast.
0: Baby, come as you oh yeah, there it is. Heart,
1: Suck it in. New Year's Eve, 2023 on the way out. And 2024 on the way in We don't need no superstars The next two interviews that I did I would say these are underdogs In the race Although Bill Igles uh, He's got a war chest that he's built up Here we go, right here That's right, Phil You don't have to be a star to be on my show. All you got to do is have a conversation so that voters can figure out what's going on. There you go. All right. I still love that song. I can't help it. You never get to hear these songs anymore. They're almost off the air. Oh, you definitely. <laughs> I still think they're great yeah. songs. That's when romance was in music, and now it's it's not romance anymore. can't find it anyway. It's not what the kids are listening to. They're listening to something off the, uh, off the reservation, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but that was a better era of music. I don't care what anybody says. Let me get into these conversations that I want to have with Bill Igle and with David Stuckenberg. And again, if you're just joining us, these are two interviews... Uh, I'm going to intertwine them just a little bit. I think I'm going to play the first uh, 13 or 14 minutes of my interview with Dave Stuckenberg later on in the show. But I want to start with Bill Eigel. And before I get to him, I just want to play one clip because I love it. And then we're going to get into my interview with Bill Eigel. If you want the entire interview that I did topless, it is on rumble.com, R-U-M-B-L-E. And I didn't do it topless. That's a joke. If anybody's rushing to get it, uh... (laughs) (laughs) That's even funnier. That's funnier, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's on rumble.com, R-U-M-B-L-E.com. Seek out S-R-1, and you can see Bill Eigel. He is going to make a heavy run for uh, Missouri governor. Uh, It would certainly change the game a little bit if he did win, and that's assuming the elections are in the up and up, even here in Missouri. I don't know. You know that Sarah Unsicker, she's a Democrat. I think she's from Shrewsbury. Uh, She came out just recently and said that she had information that the elections right here in Missouri were being manipulated. And boy, are they attacking her now. I'm listening to this show on this very station uh, as I was coming in to get the show ready this morning. What's it called, Phil? It's uh, This Week in Missouri Politics. Yeah. So I'm listening to it. And these people on the show, and I don't know any of them. I don't think I've ever even heard the show before. But they're calling this woman out and saying she has mental problems and this and that and the other. And who in the world gives these people the right to say that somebody has mental issues because you don't agree with their point of view on something? That is, To me, uh, this is why I'm not in politics. Because I would have found whoever said that and would have been on like Donkey Kong. If you start telling people they got family and friends out here and you start saying that they have mental problems, you can attack them for their point of view on something like an adult. But when you start saying they have mental problems, uh, that shows that you have a mental problem. I just thought it was abhorrent. I don't know Sarah Unsicker. Don't know anything about her. Um, I'd certainly like to have her on the show. So if anybody knows Sarah Unsicker, I want to know what she's talking about when it comes to the elections being manipulated, because I certainly believe they are. And I'd like to know what information she has and why she was giving it to the FBI, because that's where it goes to die, Sarah. That's where the information goes to die, is the FBI, if you haven't figured that out yet. Uh, this is the clip that I wanted to start with, though. This is AOC. <laughs> at the very beginning, this guy is messing with her. So if you can picture the scene, uh, this guy took a video of it. You got AOC walking down the streets of New York. You've got a bunch of people sitting outside at a restaurant. And she starts walking past them, and they start to give it to her. This is what you have to deal with if you're in the public eye. And you got to deal with Grace. And to her defense... She handled it like a pro. She just kept walking and smiling, but these guys gave it to AOC. Clip number seven, one, go.
0: Oh, ABC. Hey. Oh, hey.
1: ABC. You're gonna
0: you going to condemn Hamas and the terrorist attacks here or what? You know the three branches of government yet? You are such a loser. You are so stupid. You are the worst.
2: You suck. You are the absolute worst. Condemn the Hamas attacks. Go bring some more COVID back from Florida. I love that one. It's executive, judicial, and legislative branches. You're horrible. Keep laughing.
0: Keep laughing. You and Ilhan Omar, two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. Close the border. You're doing a great job. Enjoy your Christmas shopping while we can.
1: What I love about that clip is the close the border. Why aren't you condemning Hamas? And you suck, he says to her. I love it.
2: I like that there's no expletives and yeah, that they no, kept you, it clean. That's you, pretty cool, you, man. You, you can
1: play it clean. Yeah. Um, but I just love the, I love how she walks past him. She's got two male companions with her and she just walks by and she smiles. And as she's walking down the street, she's waving. Um, this is the kind of vitriol that's going on in the country, even in liberal New York City. Because people are aware of what's happening. It's just nothing is being done about it. You have an infiltration of people from all over the world here illegally sucking up all of the money in New York City and Chicago. All of their services are strained because they can't keep up with the finances of it all. And all these politicians act like it's not happening. You know why? Because they're not affected by it. The only way they'll be affected by it is the very reason I'm doing the show. And most people think that, you know... You can't save the world one person at a time. I disagree. I disagree with that assessment. I think that when people get involved and say we've had enough and we're going to fix this country for our kids and grandkids, when enough people make their presence felt, things change. I'm not saying you're going to uproot the powerful. You're not going to uproot the entire uh, establishment. But you can certainly push back on them enough to where you get your freedoms back. You can push hard enough to where they go, oh, we're messing around here too much. we got to knock this off. we got to get back to controlling our borders and limiting inflation and not teaching our kids to be racist. Those things we can affect if you push hard enough. But as Bill Igel says, one of the reasons we have these problems is the, I think he said, half of our budget? Half of our budget comes from D.C. So who runs the show? Do we have a government in Missouri that is doing what's right for Missouri citizens? Or are they so addicted to the cash coming from D.C. that they implement policy organized in D.C.? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. So let me first start with my interview with Bill Igle. And if you want to get to Bill Igle and find out who he is and uh, read about him, it's BillIgle.com. Let me spell it for you real fast. Bill. B i l l Eigel is spelled e i g e l dot com. I believe he said in this interview, and I don't. I'm not playing that p- portion of it. That he's he's raised a lot of money. He's second in the polls. He's getting a lot of momentum heading his way. And I certainly would hope that Jay Ashcroft and Mike Kehoe. I'd like to. I'd like to be the person on that panel. Phil, can we make that happen? I would like to be the one that <laughs> asks these people questions, and I'll, I'll yeah. do it professionally. Anybody that's seen me interview knows that I'm not going on. These are opinions of mine that I think I'm I'm supposed to get out there into the world so that we can debate it, talk about it, consider it. That's my role when it comes to um, information and assessment. And then you go to your public officials and you ask them questions respectfully. I'm not getting into heated debates with these people. If they want to have a debate, a heated debate, I'll have it. But the idea is you ask the questions that you're concerned with and then they answer them however they want to answer them and you make a decision on whether you think it's real or not. That's all. That's the role. But here is Bill Eigel. We're going to play a series of questions. I'm going to take my portion of it out. I'm going to tell you the questions that I ask and you'll get to hear the answers. So the first thing that I asked him when he sat down with us at the studios at News Talk STL was Donald Trump is now pulled off the ballot to run for Uh, the Republican nomination in Colorado, and how does he feel about it? Here's how he answered.
2: Well, what a disaster, right? You know, you have these unelected justices uh, in the state of Colorado basically taking the decision out of the hands of Colorado voters on who they want to support for president. Uh, This is the second one of these type of uh, obscene examples of leftists trying to control people in the United States. You remember it was just a couple months ago, we had the New Mexico governor uh, come out and try to effectively through executive order, cancel the second amendment right. in that state. So uh, that, uh, that particular instance, uh, a federal court overturned the New Mexico governor. I expected in this instance that a federal court will overturn uh, the Colorado Supreme Court as well. So uh, the, the news here is not though, that it's gonna be overturned, which certainly I expect it to be. And I also expect that Donald Trump is gonna become the next president of the United States.
1: Now, he endorses Donald Trump, and this is why I say I respect a lot of people that endorse Donald Trump. I think the people endorsing him see him as the opposition to the establishment. That's how they perceive him. That's what they believe. And they may be right. I'm not saying they're not right. Again, I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying that if you are a Donald Trump supporter, your job is to make sure he answers your questions. That's your job. As a citizen... You have to put enough pressure on the politicians that they answer questions because you can't talk to the, uh, the anybody that is still considering Joe Biden, a decent president. Uh, why would you ever have a conversation with these people about politics? The guy can't string a sentence together. Everybody knows his history. He's a buffoon. He's been a buffoon. He'll always be a buffoon. So why even get into a conversation with somebody who says, yeah, I think Joe Biden's doing a really nice job. Just ignore him and talk to the people that have some sense. Here's the second question we have. I am hyper-focused on elections. If you do not have elections that are that the people have confidence in, then regardless of the outcome, they don't work. You have to accept that the elections were on the up and up before you can have a republic and a democracy. If 65%, as I say over and over again, this was a Rasmussen poller who was on the war room with Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon from Harvard, just FYI, He was on that show and the Rasmussen poller said, we polled this question more than any other poller in the country. Do you believe that the elections are on the up and up? And he said that 65% of citizens, whether they be Democrat or Republican, do not believe the elections in 2024 will be on the up and up. Well, if that's the case, if you know that, let's say it's 55% or 50% or 40%, if that amount of people do not believe that their vote actually counts, then we don't don't have elections. It doesn't matter whether they're real. They could be absolutely perfect. Every vote is on the money. There's nothing to see here. Beautiful, perfect, meticulous elections. But if the people don't believe in them, they don't work. And they don't believe in them. So you got to remember that. Here is the way he answered my question on what is going on in Missouri and how are we going to protect Election integrity.
2: Go. So, two two things. One, there's a couple things we've actually already done in the legislature that I consider low-hanging fruit, right? We've required uh, voter ID uh, to, in order to vote. We've gotten rid of the drop boxes. We've gotten rid of the Zuckerbucks money. Uh, so we've done those low-hanging fruit. But honestly, if we want to secure our elections, we got to do the big red things, and the big red thing in this case is get rid of all these machines that nobody supports, nobody trusts. I, almost every Republican event that I go to, I ask the crowd or I ask individuals, how many of you trust these machines? Uh, that have been a problem for us ever since our election was stolen back in 2020. Almost every single person in the room raises their hand. And I said, well, guess what? Not only do I have legislation as a state senator that would get rid of these machines and restore us to the hand counting of ballots that worked for our state for more than a century, I'm going to be the governor that's actually going to get something like that, like that big red idea, done.
1: I love that. I like that answer. I also asked him whether he thought we should have a holiday here in the state so that everybody's off work. If everybody is off work, you can have a communal event around the elections. What is more important than elections in a free society? What is more important than knowing and having confidence that your elections were ran properly? I simply say to everybody, and I'm, I, I, I've been the man on the street reporter now for a couple of years. So when I'm out on the streets and I'm meeting people for the first time or talking to people for the first time and they find out what I do, because I'm handing out cards all the time, trying to grow this audience, Phil. And I'll say to him, what do you think about elections? Do you think the elections are on the up and up? And I'm telling you, not 99.9%, but 100% of the people that I talk to say they don't trust the election system. And why would that be? When you really think about it, it's very easy to understand. You have the Democrats saying the elections are stolen. So if you're a Democrat, you think they're stolen and manipulated. That's what the media went out and told all the Democratic voters about Donald Trump. That he, along with the Russians, stole the elections in 2016. And then when you look at what's going on in 2020, you've got all the Republicans saying, hey, something's not right here. I watched what went down. I don't believe for a second that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. And to them, I'd say, I agree with you. It makes no sense whatsoever. When we get back, and you got to stick around for the break, because when we get back, I got some information that's going to blow your mind about illegal immigration right here in the great state of Missouri. We'll be right back. The Rob Carter Show. Because now you found
4: what was cloudy, yeah.
2: Oh, One Sundays.
1: The Rob Carter Let's Show. Do Let's do it. Let's Feeling do it? it? Oh, yeah. December 31st, 2023. New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. SOS band. This was Phil's uh, suggestion. Love it. Oh, yeah. Take your time, do it right. Oh, yeah, man.
0: You know you want to slow down.
1: Been working too hard, and that's a fact. You might want to cut my voice out of that one. Probably going to have to mix that out, but that's all right. <laughs> a great singer that's cool all right let's roll <laughs> two segments left i got some information i got to get out so this particular clip of bill Igel i thought was fabulous now this will paint the picture for missouri voters something that i've been trying to somewhat explain for a long time as to the nonsense that we put up with now the Parsons, and he mentions it here. Governor Parsons, is it Parson or Parsons? I don't even know anymore. Parsons. Uh, Governor Parsons, he was asked about federal, the uh, Homeland Security was placing illegal immigrants in the state of Missouri, and he was asked about it, and he said, you know, people are making a big deal about it. There's nothing we can do about it. And as soon as he said there's nothing we can do about it, I, I didn't hear any another word. There's nothing we can do about it. We have a 10th Amendment. What are you talking about? We can do- if you don't want illegal immigrants dropped into your town, Then you make a fuss as governor. You can't just say, well, there's just nothing I can do. You got a lot of power there, Mr. Parson. And don't act like you don't, like we're all stupid. It aggravates me. This is the way I asked the question. I said, I understand that you were very visible in this conversation about illegal immigration being dropped onto the citizens, I believe, of St. Charles County, if I'm not mistaken. He was there, he was at the meetings, and here's how Bill Igle answered the question of illegal immigration in the state of Missouri. Go.
2: So first of all, let's kind of set the table here. What's happening is the Department of Homeland Security is trying to resettle illegal immigrants uh, across the country and in particular here in the state of Missouri. Uh, that's not okay. In fact, 19 attorneys general, uh, including our own Andrew Bailey, which was appointed by Mike Parson, are suing the Department Department of Homeland Security for trying to uh, break immigration law without an act of Congress authorizing them to do so and bringing illegal immigrants here in the state of Missouri. Well, guess what? Uh, illegal immigration in the state of Missouri is having a huge impact. It's estimated right now that there are about 51,000 illegal immigrants already in the state of Missouri, and each one of them costs every household in this state about $1,000. Well, at that cost, that means it's costing the taxpayers of this state for the services that they consume about $2.3 billion per year. Well, at that rate, Remember, what you hear me talk a lot about personal property tax. The value of every personal property tax bill in the state that we are paying here in December is about $1.7 billion. So did we all get the math on that? I want to explain
1: this to you very, very slowly for my friends that are not good at math, who may need a calculator to figure this out. When you get that bill on December 1st for the theft of personal property tax, the theft of your income, the theft of your hard-earned work. When you get that bill, just know that every Missouri citizen that pays that bill, if you add up all the numbers, it comes up to $1.7 billion. So your personal property tax here in the state of Missouri brings in $1.7 billion of revenue to the state of Missouri. At the same time, the state of Missouri is funding illegal immigration to the tune of 2.3 billion, with a B, dollars. Now, if that doesn't frustrate you and make you angry, then I just I think that maybe uh, you're 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 at a situ, you're you're at a point in your citizenship to where you're just saying you know what the government can take whatever they want. If they want it all, just take it all. Maybe they can have a hundred percent of it. This has nothing to do with whether we can afford it. It has to do with right and wrong. You are allowing the government to break our laws, steal our money to pay for the laws that they break. It's like I said before, fraud is now legal in America. That's a problem. That's a real problem. And I love that Bill Igel says he's going to do something about it and has tried to do something about it. I don't know about Jay Ashcroft. I don't know about Mike Kehoe. I don't know how they see the situation. But what I gather is that we're trying to sing a little bit too much kumbaya with the other side. We have got to get this state in order. And if you're going to get your state in order, you're not ripping off the citizens that that you're here to serve to pay for citizens that are here illegally. Can I get an amen from somebody out there, please? Amen. Thank you. Let me move over to personal property tax because personal property tax, I say all the time. I go back and forth between Florida and Missouri. I got a $15,000 raise by moving out of the conservative state of Missouri down to Florida. Now I go back and forth between the two because I have family here. I love the state of Missouri. I don't think anybody would doubt that I love this state. I love Missouri. I think the people here are some of the finest people that I've ever met anywhere in the world. I travel this entire country. The people of Missouri are awesome, the liberals and the Democrats. They're good people. They're common sense people. They're, they, they just want to raise their families. This is a great place to raise a family. Not a ton to do in Missouri like there is in Florida, but this is a great state. If you were born and raised here, very few people leave it, and there's a reason for that. And I want my government to be as good as the people they are supposed to serve, and it's not. It's just not, and all the media trying to protect them. And we got to shake hands with the these people and that people, and we got to get along to get legislation passed. If the legislation getting passed is to rip me off, then stop the legislation. I don't want it, and you shouldn't want it either. It's sickening.
2: The voters have done what they can. They put the Republicans in. They're doing city.
1: exactly what they're supposed to do. The voters are doing their job. They're putting people, conservative leadership, in a position of power so they can fix the situation. But they just, just like the D.C., they can just, they just can't get it done. It's just too hard. That's because you don't have a great leader running the state. It's that simple. A great leader would influence voters on both sides of the aisle to say you're getting ripped off and here's how we're going to fix it and they would go out they would stand in front of auditoriums they would go to schools they would go to conferences they would be visible as they influence people to put pressure on their representatives to do the will of the people it's that simple but if you sit back and go well you know i'm putting republicans in there it's all going to be great well is it great Are you still getting a personal property tax? Because if you're, so long as you're getting a personal property tax bill for something you own, you have to pay taxes on cars that you lease. You don't even own them and you got to pay taxes on them. It's insane. And nobody seems to just recognize that you're getting ripped off. If somebody were to come into your house, let's say that for safekeeping, you have $500 in a drawer, bottom left drawer of your dresser. If somebody comes in your house in the middle of the night and takes that five hundred dollars and puts it in their pocket and runs away with it and says, "You know, I needed it for food," would that be okay with you? Because that's what the government does. They just do it legally. They say, "Well, we need the money. What are you going to? We're just going to take it from you." Too bad. So sad. You don't. You don't pay for it. You can't drive. Now you got no job. Ridiculous. And in the state of Florida, when I went down there, I got a fifteen thousand dollar a year pay raise by simply leaving. The conservative state of, of Missouri. It's just insane. So, here is the question because I asked him about personal property tax, and the way I phrased it to him is I said, I see personal property tax as theft. I see it as theft. If somebody says they need a revenue stream, they can't reach into my pocket, take my money out, and say, Well, I needed it. It's a revenue stream. You shouldn't be taxing people on the cars that they are still making payments
2: on at the end of the year right before Christmas. It's crazy. Here's what he said about personal property tax. Go. Conversation about whether or not we should get rid of personal property tax is not a conversation about whether or not we should continue to fund uh, those those services of the public that most er, every rational person believes that we should have, whether it's uh, schools, whether it's fire departments, whether it's police departments, of course, we're going to fund those things. But 29 other states have already figured out that you can fund those services without hammering working and middle income class households for every December 1st for the crime of owning a car.
1: I just think, that, that, to me, that is so common sense. That has got to be getting rid of. People must be aware. They must pressure anybody in public office in Missouri that has a say in whether we pay personal property tax that, that we're not having it. Just not going to do it anymore. We're not going to play the game with you anymore. Because it is nothing more, and I'm, I mean this when I say it, and I'm not trying to be sensational. It's theft. It's just theft. If I can pass a law that says you got to pay taxes for eating food or for uh, walking down the street, I could make it. I mean, hell, they're trying to tax you on the air you breathe right now with this green energy new deal BS. How long before people say enough? I'm working too hard. I'm working too long. My life is too stressed. My marriage is too stressful because we got we're, we're we're fighting just to keep ourselves afloat. How many people out there are going through that, and how many people have had enough? Enough of it. So Bill Igle is now involved in something called the Freedom Caucus. It was the Conservative Caucus, and now it's the Freedom Caucus. And you've got a hodgepodge of people involved in this Freedom Caucus, which on its face sounds good to me, but I wanted him to clarify the objectives of the Freedom Caucus. And here's how he answered.
2: Uh, the Freedom Caucus is a group of legislators that will be working together in Jefferson City uh, who are just tired of all the lies and excuses that are put out by senior Republican leadership for not doing big Republican things. Uh, we had a conservative caucus, as you know, a couple of years ago, and uh, we made the decision at the end of the last primary uh, to extend an olive branch to some of our Republican colleagues and disband that group uh, on a formal sense. Well, I'm going to tell you, you know what? I don't have a problem telling you when I'm wrong. And uh, the idea that uh, we, we moved away from that brand, that was a mistake, and I'll tell you what, we're getting the band back together. When we get the band back together, we are going to be in the faces of every one of our Republican colleagues who promised Republican principles once they were in the office and are every day working to betray the people that they represent down in Jefferson City. So we're talking about the upcoming session when the Freedom Caucus gets rolling. I'm thinking about fireworks because we're gonna make sure that we're either gonna get the big red things passed or we're gonna have every one of those rhinos on the record for exactly where they actually stand so that the voters of this state can see where the breakdown actually is. I am tired of having uh, my brand as an elected official tarnished by these weak Republicans that are afraid to do what's difficult down there. The Freedom Caucus is going to call them out. We're going to shine the light on all the weak ones down there, and the people are going to see exactly what's going on.
1: i got several more questions. I get into social issues and everything with Bill Igle, and we'll do that maybe on the next show. We're going to get the entire interview out again. If you're in your car and you want to hear the entire interview, you can always go to Rumble, R-U-M-B-L-E dot Seek out SR1 and or Rob Carter with two Bs, and you can watch the entire interview. If you're somebody trying to figure out who the next governor of Missouri should be, you gotta hear all of the candidates. You gotta hear what they're saying. You gotta understand where they're coming from in order to be an informed citizen. So pay attention to Bill Eigel. Don't go on simply name recognition, because if you're going off name recognition, I guess you gotta go with Jay Ashcroft. But if you're, going, if you're saying, listen, I want to know who's going to be the most effective leader to get the things done that I want done, and you're listening to this station on Sunday night on New Year's Eve, then you want some things done in a big way, quickly, to get this state back in order. I want to turn my attention, and I'm going to set it up here for just a minute. This guy's name is Dave Stuckenberg. He is running for president. He went to school here at Central Missouri State. Then he went to George Washington University, and then he went to the King's College of London. And I asked him about, how do you get recruited, or how do you end up at the King's College of London? And we'll play that later on in the show. He is a, uh, he's a, a, somewhat of a businessman. He's got a, a, a company called Genesis Systems, uh, which apparently has made him a nice chunk of money. He comes from the military. He was a major. He's a, he's a strategist of sorts. Uh, he did not, it took me a while to get the interview. And if you want to find out more about him, let me uh, give you his information here. It's David Stuckenberg. So just go to davidstuckenberg.com. Let me spell it for you real fast. You got to pay attention to some of these people on the outside. You may in your mind think there's no way anybody could win at this late date if I haven't heard of them. And you may be right. I don't know. But what you can do is glean information from people on the inside. This is a system guy. This is a guy who's talking to the presidents of the United States. He's the one that's talking to the generals. He's the one that sees the world to the eyes of a military person. He's got incredible information. He was very patient with me. I think we interviewed him for over an hour and 15 or hour and 20 minutes. And I asked him when we began it, how long do I have? And he basically said, go. <laughs> I mean, go. This again, forget what you think you know. Forget what you've been conditioned to believe. Forget what the schools have taught you. Forget what the media shoves down your throat and think to yourself, this is a very crazy time in the world, a very crazy time in the world of politics. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. Everybody's got just a little apprehension about what's going to go down in the future. And shouldn't political leaders and a representative government that have a lot of control on your finances, on your schooling, on your education, on who's going to be your neighbor. They have a lot of power over your life. Shouldn't they be answering questions? Shouldn't they be informing Missouri voters, voters of the United States, why they took certain positions? I don't like what Donald Trump put out there earlier, as I said about the FBI. I have been calling out Graves, Smith, Meyer, and the lovely and talented Ann Wagner for the same votes, and then Donald Trump comes out and endorses it. I just don't get it. When we get back, I'm gonna play 12 minutes or so of my interview with Dave Stuckenberg. Here's how we spell it S-T-U-C-K-E-N-B-E-R-G. Dave David And we'll be right back with that conversation.
0: rob carter show
1: happy new year's eve everybody oh yeah
0: she's a very kinky
1: girl i love this song yeah me too i got a quick i got a quick story real fast before we get into david stuckenberg presidential candidate and i want you to hear this david stuckenberg interview I think he's an important figure. He's going to be more important as time moves on here. But very quickly, I told this story when I did the fill-in work uh, morning shows last week. I told my wife, I said, when I have guests on, I want them to have their own song. If they're recurring guests, I want them to have their own song. Now, my wife, very conservative, doesn't cuss, stops at every red light, stops at every stop sign. No matter if there's no cars within a million miles, she stops. She follows all of the rules. Very conservative, very prim and proper, unless she's angry. And I said, when you come on, we're going to do Brick House or Super Freak. She goes, oh, don't you dare do that. So this is one of the songs in contention with Brick House. Anytime my wife comes on the show. What do you think? Get it to me one more time. I, I think it's Super Freak because it's the opposite of her. I think so, too. But I think it would embarrass her just enough to make the segment yeah, good. That's what I was going with, yeah. Okay. Good job. Don't have a ton of time, so I'm going to go right into this. Now, what you're going to hear was a interview that I did with David Stuck- Stuckenberg just a couple of days ago, uh, running for president. And I want you to hear what he has to say. He's got some very enlightening information. So we're going to play that, and then we'll uh, I'll come back and close the show. Here is my interview with presidential candidate David Stuckenberg. Go. All right, everybody. Dave Stuckenberg joining us, candidate for president of the United States. David, welcome to the show.
4: Great to be here, Rob, and great to be here. Uh with the listeners in Missouri.
1: Great. I know you have some Missouri background, so very quickly, just so they know you, uh, know your background. Can you give us, uh, married kids, where you went to school, that kind of thing. So people get a sense of who you are.
4: Absolutely. Uh, spent a lot of time in Missouri. My wife, wife is from uh, Southwest Missouri. Uh, went to college at, uh, University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg. commissioned through the Air Force ROTC at Mizzou. And, uh, I've, uh, since 2003, when I enlisted in the uh, Air Force, been stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base there in Warrensburg, Missouri, three separate times. And uh, just uh, started a company in Kansas City in 2007, uh, and uh, have a lot of ties, a lot of roots in Missouri. Two of my kids, two out of the five, born there. Uh, For us, Missouri is our home state.
1: So you're kind of a uh, common sense guy if you come from the Midwest, I would assume. That's right. I had five kids. I raised five kids. That's a lot of work. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they, uh, they're at the point in the ages of eight, uh, from six years old, the youngest to 18. So uh, I've almost got the built-in babysitter now.
1: Well, you got quite a resume, so they must be proud of you. I want to talk just quickly. Uh, you founded a startup called Genesis Systems. So you're coming from the business world, I assume. What, uh, what is Genesis Systems and uh, what's the uh, story behind it?
4: Well, I typically, as a strategist, um, I, you know, I focus on grand challenges. Our world is running out of fresh water, believe it or not. Even though most of the earth is covered with water, most of it is not fresh. Uh, throughout the uh, United States, uh, our water in many areas, you can see it coming throughout the, de- the desert southwest, will be uh, out in many regions within the next decade to two decades. It's an extraordinary challenge. So we've been focused on delivering uh, water from air at utility scale. And so we've developed a portfolio of technologies, the largest portfolio in the world. Uh, Concerned with that, you know, we're working with uh, more than 40 nations to try to figure out how to shore up their water supplies and their food supply. Water is food, food is water. So coming out of uh, uh, the military 2016, I was flying a combat mission out of IUD Air Base in Qatar. And I watched uh, that nation pull its last water supply out uh, of the ground, and they were now making just in time water, uh, with a one and a half days worth of water on hand for three and a half million people. Can wow. you believe it? I can't. You that's, die that's incredible. In three days without water. So that was the catalyst for the beginning of that company. I have an aerospace engineering background. I studied aerospace science at the University of Central Missouri, and was uh, mentored by one of the dis- distinguished alumni, uh, Phil Summerall, who was uh, known as Yoda at NASA, and. Um, he and I kicked an idea around um, and that uh, turned into a company and now we're just uh, growing it. But, uh, you know, having spent 21 years in military service uh, focused on how to help our nation come through the grand challenges. um, I'm a little bit like, uh, you know, Kevin Costner, Costner who, who played the character Lieutenant Dunbar in the movie dances with wolves. You know, he's given a, Post far out in the wilderness, and he gets out there and he writes in his uh, journal, I've arrived at my post, Fort Sedgwick, to find it abandoned and in disrepair. And, uh, you know, after 21 and a half years in the military and having divided some of my attention also to the private sector where I've been successful in business. We're about to lose our country, Rob.
1: And we're going to get into it because I'm, I'm curious your strategy. I want to get into just a couple more things before we get to your priorities and your platform. Uh, it says here you went to uh, George Washington University, and then I'm always curious about this, and so are my listeners. Uh, you went to the King's College in London, is that correct? And if correct. How, how do you end up at the King's College of London? Every time I talk to politicians who went to school in Oxford or Cambridge, uh, I don't know anybody that goes to these schools. Is this uh, you're recruited because you're a brilliant person? How do you end up at the King's College in London?
4: Well, it was, uh, it's a long story, but the short of it is um, I was working in the treaty compliance community as a young captain, and I discovered some of the uh, preeminent threats to our nation, things that can um, turn our lights out and end us tomorrow as a, uh, as a republic, as a civilization. And um, I uh, was somewhat tenacious about making sure that I was heard. And because I was the only one with um, uh, a holistic understanding of the challenges, um, I I was asked to uh, go and and, and to do some additional research on that. So I completed my Ph.D. uh, in just 18 months, which is um, uh, atypical. Um, But I had to go fast because um, I, I had 29 NATO nations that were waiting for the information I had. And the findings of my Ph.D. are embargoed. Um, it means they can never be released, but essentially I wrote the textbook on how to defeat NATO. Um, and the reason is you have to put yourself into the adversary's shoes to understand um, what they're going to do. And right now, our, our, our national leadership, our political leaders, they understand what our enemies are doing to us. America is at war, and yet we are at rest. And I would ask you, has a nation ever been at war that they don't rise to the occasion and take on the challenge of their their own self-defense and win? No. No nation that does not fight the war that is being waged on it ever wins, and we are losing. And that is why, after 21 and a half years as our nation's shield and defender, I have walked out of the uniform, folded the uniform, to make a run for the Oval Office because unless we have the understanding, the expertise that can reconcile what, what is happening to our world and, and their greater arc of, of geopolitical affairs, um, these JV players that are currently running on the tickets and uh, uh, the candidates who are less informed, uh, they're going to be unable to turn the ship. In
1: time, and it feels like, uh, and a lot of my listeners, a lot of people that come on and talk with me, think the war is being waged both from outside and from within. Do you see it the same way? It feels to a lot of voters as though it's a one-party system where they're manipulating votes to get to an outcome versus uh, taking each issue and voting on behalf of their constituents. Do you see a little bit of that going on from your your point of view?
4: Uh, I'll unpack it for you uh, in 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 this way: Um, the American people you and i we are on the horns of a great dilemma externally the united states is at war uh with a nation that is the oldest surviving civilization uh on earth china that has formed a revisionist bloc of powers including russia uh iran north korea and they seek to overcome the united states by 2049 especially china which is the stated objective um, 2049 is the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party. The the way in which uh, this, uh, you know, aggression is occurring is, is very simple. It is manifesting in all domains of, of power, diplomatic, informational, military, and economic, and an, an additional dimension, which is confounding most in the Defense Department, which is social. So what what's happening is that we're... Uh, in a shadow war, some, some, would, some of my colleagues I served with at Whiteman Air Force Base who have gone on uh, to be scholars as well have called it a stealth war because, you know, Missouri is the home of the stealth bomber. Um, it is actually called, though, by definition, a gray zone war. And a gray zone war manifests below the typical triggers that lead to a kinetic warfare, like, such as what you might see going on in Ukraine where there's bullets being shot. So when I was at the State Department, I was part of a team of PhDs that put together open source information to measure the state of competition with China. Here's what it looked like. Imagine that you had a a large wall, 10 feet tall and 20 feet wide, and it was covered with checkers. And those checkers were green or red. Green would be the United States winning in one checker uh, an area of competition such as building the most ships. Or red would be an area where China was winning in, in an area, for example, sending out the most Mandarin-speaking uh, uh, teachers to proper their culture throughout the world. I want you to imagine that wall now, 10 feet high, 20 feet wide, with about three checkers that are green, three. And that's where the United States is winning. And the rest of them, red. We're being out-competed in every single dimension of Power. And that means something We're talking about the oldest surviving civilization on earth That is marshalling a quarter of humanity To essentially overcome the United States And exert global influence to create a new world order And what this looks like I want you to just imagine this We all, you know, I'm a Christian Many many of our viewers are religious And we just celebrated Christmas That was roughly, uh, you know 2,000 years ago that that, that that Christ died on the cross uh, imagine that the civilization that bankrupted Rome is still surviving and is now coming after the United States I'm just trying to put this in the arc of time for you I'm on the same that page happens. that's happening right now yes so what do we do you know internally they're inside of us okay so uh, you know from our infrastructure to our our you know our political, uh, uh, interactions and, and social media were being influenced daily. And here's what they're working for. They can beat us if we fight for with ourselves. If, if they undermine our confidence in government, they beat us. They win. Okay. Because ultimately what's going to happen is, you know, they will achieve some sort of softer revolution, a color revolution, whatever shade it takes, it gets people to uh, fragment, break off into shards. You know, we saw the the riots in Ferguson. That's that's a socialist, Marxist beginning of of revolution. This is is right out of the playbook. And they're seeking to fragment our society, to get our neighbors, uh, you and I, to go to war with one another because I'm a Democrat or you're a Republican or because we don't agree on 100% of everything. Let me tell you something. This is the greatest nation in the world and one of the most extraordinary experiments ever undertaken by humanity. Our constitution is fundamentally sound and this idea works in order for it to keep working though, we have to understand what is being brought against us and what is being brought against us is an effort to get us again, to go to battle with one another. And so China and other actors are working internally in the United States to undermine our confidence in the electoral process and Uh, ultimately, uh, to achieve strife. If we are at strife, they win. So what has to happen is that in 2024, the the candidate elected by the President of the United States has to bring unity to the American people. And that's really what I want to focus on.
1: That was David Stuckenberg. Let me give you his information one more time, because if you can remember, I want you to check him out. We're going to play the... Uh, We're going to play almost the entire interview over the course of next week, maybe even the following week, of all of the candidates out there running right now. The most cerebral by a landslide. It's not even close. Uh, He has a lot of information in that noggin. Very accomplished guy. Uh, If you look him up, you'll see his beautiful family right on the front of his website. Uh, David Stuckenberg is somebody you want to pay attention to. Now, before I close the show... Uh, Let me give you a couple of housekeeping notes. First of all, congratulations to Mizzou. Uh, I picked Ohio State to beat them, but that was before I knew that Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't playing, so you can't hold that against me. Uh, Great win for Mizzou. Great win for the state of Missouri. Great win for the program. Uh, Congratulations to the Mizzou Tigers. I will be filling in this Thursday and Friday on News Talk STL 101.9 and 94.1 on your radio dial. From two to three forty-five, filling in for Katie and Colombo, or Colombo and Katie, uh, please join in. I'll bring uh, David Stuckenberg up in that conversation. I'll probably play a little bit more of Bill Igle. You got to know what's going on in Missouri because it's crazy. You got to know what's going on in the country because it's crazy. So pay attention. I hope each and every one of you have a fabulous New Year's Eve evening. I hope you have a great time with your friends and family, and I hope you do it safely so that you can stick around next Sunday from 6 to 8 o'clock for The Rob Carter Show. Good night, everybody, and Happy New Year. The Rob Carter
0: Show. We get these to This is S-R-1.